everybody, and welcome to For the Wins weekly NFL podcast, The Gridiron Geeks, uh, starring myself, Charles Curtis, and uh, as always, we have here Stephen Ruiz. Stephen, what's going on, uh, my fellow NFL nerd? Well, um, I'm excited because, as I told you off air, I'm in both of my fantasy league championships. Are well, depending on the results tonight, but I'm already, I'm already expecting to be in there next week. So I, I won't get, I won't be disappointed tomorrow morning. Not at all. There's, there's no way I just. I, Jinx myself. Yeah, you totally did. We're, we're going to have this for posterity purposes. I'll play it for your league mates. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm out in two leagues um, where I was in the playoffs, and I am okay with that because you make the postseason, and what what are you going to do? You know. Uh, but it's been it's been a fun year, fun year of fantasy, a weird year of fantasy. But I think I say that every year because it just always feels that weird. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, yeah. fantasy is a lot like the uh, like MLB playoffs. If you get in, it's been a good season. But from there, it's just a crapshoot. Exactly, and I also missed, as as Stephen can can attest to, uh, I missed a a playoff by point three points, which is aggravating. But I would have lost this week anyway, so I'm okay. I've come to, I've come to a peaceful place with this. I feel good. Um, I feel zen. Um, but I will tear my hair out because I love doing fantasy uh, fantasy footballs in the, in the playoffs, the actual NFL playoffs. Um, which you know, look it out for that on on for the win. I'll write about that. Uh, do you do that, Stephen? No, I haven't, but. Maybe you'll sway me, and I'll do it. Oh, it's a joy. I'll, I'll get you. Maybe I'll do it for the for the win, uh, folks, uh, and, and maybe we'll get the listeners in on it. Uh, so this week, we're going to change it up a little bit because we're getting toward the end of the season, and we're just feeling like instead of doing our usual bunch of questions and a you know long uh, take on something, we're just going to do the five most important questions out of Week 15, which was pretty nutty, uh, and we're setting things up for, for the postseason. So uh, let's just get right down to it. The question I have that I, I, I know the answer to pretty easily is are the Steelers poised to beat the Patriots if they meet again in the playoffs and my answer is hell yeah I absolutely think so what do you think yeah I have to agree I I think I came away from yesterday's game uh more high on the Steelers than I was on the Patriots even though they stole the game late uh I think it depends on as long as Antonio Brown is fine of course we didn't see him play most of the game I think if he's fine they had trouble guarding uh Martavis Bryant, I, I, I just think they can give the the Patriots defense trouble, and we saw Pittsburgh's defense match up a lot better than it has against Brady in the past. Oh yeah, I mean this is this is the the biggest takeaway for me was watching what the defense did to the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots necessarily. They don't do so well against that defense, and, and the Steelers' defense has been playing up really, really well in the last five, six weeks. I've been very, very impressed on that side of the ball. I think their secondary is as solid as, as any in, in the NFL. It's just crazy to me the Steelers keep doing this every year, every year, every year. They just draft the right way all the time, and uh, uh, it should be a lesson to other NFL teams. My biggest, my, my other biggest problem is the Patriots' defense just looks so vulnerable, and their secondary is a big problem to me. If, if you're going to get beat by Martavis Bryant, who's had a just an awful year, um, and he's going to be the answer for, for Antonio Brown, I assume Antonio Brown will be back by the playoffs. We don't actually know what the diagnosis full-on is. Uh, but I don't see them them having an answer. And Big Ben's been playing his, his tail off. Uh, I give kudos to him. I, I will fully admit, must have been two months ago on this podcast that I said, I wasn't so sure about the Steelers. They really hit their stride at the right time, and they are an absolute threat to win the AFC outright. This is the one concern I have. If, if I was a Pittsburgh fan, it's that you've now shown your hand to Belichick, and I don't know, maybe they, maybe the def, uh, defensive coordinator 
coordinator Keith Butler has more tricks up his sleeves, but right now, you you know, Belichick has 60 minutes of film on you, and he's going to study that over the next month and a half, and have I think he's going to have something planned, and we're not going to see the same Patriots game plan next time around. So I think it could be a totally different game. See, I think you're getting ahead of yourself. I think the Patriots have to face uh, another team before that, uh, you know, before they get there. And I remember, I think it was Tony Romo about a month ago, or maybe it was a month and a half ago. He was like, the Jaguars don't match up that well against the Patriots, and everyone's laughing at Romo. But he's right. You know, the Patriots, if they can't put points up on the board, and they get gashed by by uh, the run game there, and, and Blake, the, the, we'll get into Blake Bortles later, but the, the suddenly resurgent Blake Bortles throws a touchdown too, like, I don't know. That's, you know, that that's not a, an easy game. Of course, we have to assume the Jaguars have to win uh, a, a, another uh, game first. I assume they'll be uh, around during wildcard weekend, but I have a fair amount of confidence that they could beat one of those wildcard teams that's, that's shaping up in the AFC. And Tony Romo has been talking about this for, I can remember since week two, he's been pointing out how the Patriots don't have the receivers who can beat man coverage so if you can play man coverage tight man-to-man coverage against them you can give their offense trouble and we saw the Steelers do that yesterday Romo pointed out all game how the Steelers were changing up their strategy they weren't you know being more passive and playing zone defense they were gonna they were actually gonna try to play man against the Patriots and he gave Brady some problems until he decided oh I have a six foot five monster over here that nobody can guard one-on-one and I'll just keep throwing him the ball and Gronk just took over that game late. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm on board with, with the idea that Rex Burkhead being injured again if he's out for a while uh, is a huge injury because he's been such a, a big pickup, especially in the red zone for that team. As, as And I, you know I all talk about uh, fantasy football uh, every single day. Uh, it's my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Rex Burkhead saved me on a few, uh, a few games. He actually was the reason why I was short point three in that, that playoff game, but he is... I think he scored in, what, four of his last five or maybe five straight. Uh, and, and you know what happens when Belichick gets on a guy who is great in the red zone uh, in the backfield. He'll, he'll jump on him uh, and use him every single time. Yeah, I, but I do think that the Patriots can, you know, get over that loss just because they're so deep at running back. So I'm, yeah. I, think, I think the Julian Edelman injury is still hurting this team, even this late in the season. That was your main guy. I mean, obviously Gronk, you can – rely on any time but you know Edelman was their man beater like you can't guard him in the slots and they don't have that and Brady doesn't have that option so if a team doubles doubles Gronk then you know he doesn't have that outlet that he had in Edelman and that's going to be a problem and I think that's the way you you slow down Tom Brady there's not a lot of ways to slow down Tom Brady but if you're playing zone defense that like allows him to read the defense and he'll find like an opening in the zone but if you're playing man, there's not much a quarterback can do if his receivers aren't getting open. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, I think that's Chris Hogan's job, right, when he comes back. Uh, and I assume he'll be healthy. He seemed pretty close to playing that Patriots-Steelers game. Uh, for, for him to come back suddenly adds some balance to that offense, like you're saying. Uh, you know, there's a guy who's, who was running routes beautifully early in the season, was a huge uh, red zone target. Um, and it's surprising to me that Brandon Cooks, even though he had a good day, isn't getting that kind of separation. Is there anything you can attest, uh, attribute that to? I just don't think that's his skill set. We kind of see his body type and just assume, oh, this could be a guy that could be good at the slot just because he's smaller. But I, I think he's best as like a deep threat. He's not going to be yeah. that Edelman tough going over the middle great route runner kind of receiver. 
Yeah, we saw that all year with Brandon Cooks, where his his uh, his game logs were like big game, big game, terrible game, mm-hmm. good game, big game, no game. You know, and and that's that's the sign that he's he's a deep threat there, and and he's been used as such this, this whole season. Uh, let's get into the next question, which which this should this should be a spirited discussion. What the heck should we do about the NFL's catch rule, which again is coming up uh, into controversy after what happened with the Jesse James? Uh, touchdown wasn't a touchdown that the Steelers could have used to beat the Patriots. So I actually think this issue is a little overblown. Like, I get why people are confused by it, but if you actually take time just to, you know, read the rule, it's, I think it, it's the best thing they could come up with. Because I, I hear people complain they don't know what to catch because there's all these different scenarios, you know, whether they're going to the ground or whether they're in the end zone. But you... I, I think you need to have uh, language in place for all those different scenarios because they are different. And if the the su- suggestion I have seen is like, if it looks like a catch, it should be a catch. But that that wouldn't. I feel like that would make the rule even worse. No, that's not doable because there are too many definitions. And I think that, that it's funny. I bring this up. Uh, I was really excited to talk about this with you because I saw on Twitter you railing on people, basically saying like. Hey, the rule makes sense, like, enough already. Like, you know, stop complaining about it. Whereas I disagree with you. I don't think it's that – I think it's too complex. And so I, what I do agree with is the idea that maybe the NFL comes up with different scenarios that we could, you know, pigeonhole into one of these, you know, scenarios. Like, I think the Des Bryant catch is similar to this one. You know, if there's a lunging motion, like, can you address that? Just have a bunch of people get together and come up with a definition. I have it in front of me. I just want to read this so that we can we can kind of dissect this. Uh, you know, a player, a forward pass is complete if a player who is in bounds, uh, and this is also true for a defender, right, maintains control of the ball after, um, uh, there's A and B, there's the, the first two things in the, the, the law, the letter of the law. But when he becomes a runner, the definition of that is a player has a ball long enough to become a runner when after his second foot is on the ground, he is capable of avoiding or warding off impending contact of an opponent, tucking the ball away, turning up field, or taking additional steps. My problem is that's a lot of, of, of that's too many different parts of language. You've got to simplify it. Um, although I, I do understand what the, 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 the rule means. I think the language is confusing a little bit, but I think like the, general idea of the rule i don't think it's that confusing there was a, a thing on on uh the nfl subreddit someone made like a flow chart this was, was before the jesse james incident this was about five days ago and i think that like you know summed it up perfectly uh i don't know what you can search to go find it i maybe we'll do a post on it later because I, I do think it's handy to have if you're making a ruling on one of these uh plays but there's basically two different scenarios. One where the guy catches it and starts to go to the ground. And that's when, that's I, I feel like that's the part of the rule that people have a problem with. Because we don't know when we start to, when we say, oh, he's a runner now. But I think it was clear in, in the Jesse James play, he didn't have control of his body. He wasn't really like, he wasn't a runner. He was still going to the ground and he was still reaching out. And then he clearly lost the ball. I've seen some Steelers fans say I, they don't think the ball touched the ground, which I don't know how you see the replay angles and think that. See, it's so confusing. But this is my point. Like, was he not a runner? Is that really what the NFL is 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 client? Like, that's where I'm like, come on. Like, you guys gotta gotta clean up. I think the idea of defining somebody as a runner is where you get into trouble. 
right, is, is sort of making this definition. But so he's, I think he's on the ground. I, he's not a runner. Yeah. Have you ever seen someone run while on the ground? Like Once you go to the <laughs> no, ground, you're is, not a runner. But here's my point. Okay, so he catches the ball and lunges. Isn't that making, you know, that move uh, uh, that he's tucked the ball away and turned up field and lunged? Isn't that technically like, and this is, and I'm but making the football, this point. The, the football move thing only applies to if he's a runner. And once he goes to the ground, he's no longer a runner. I see. Very, but you've made my point, and I think I've made a point. It's very confusing that we have to kind of like break down what a runner is and what a runner isn't. So I think you just need to change the language and say, okay, here are five scenarios that we've seen. And the problem, of course, will come up if, if, if there's a scenario that isn't covered under these these bylaws. Or there's and enough that, of a difference where you can differentiate between the two. Because like, Des- like you said, the Bryant and the James plays were kind of similar, but they were, there yes. was enough difference there where... Even if you use the Bryant play as a reference, you, I don't think it really applies to the, the James play. Yeah, well, what, what other – is there another catch that we've seen that turned – I mean, the Calvin Johnson play, is that that's him going to the ground again, right? Yeah, that kind of started this whole thing. Right. Because I don't re- remember people complaining about the catch rule before then, and then after then is when it got – I guess it got more complicated. The Bird Emanuel play in the 2000 – or 1999 NFC Championship game also – affected right. the rule yeah I, I just think you know the simplified i think larry fitzgerald a few years ago maybe had, had said something about like look if you make a catch in your you know certain part of your body touches the ground it's a catch and if it if it doesn't and the ball comes out then it's not and i was like ooh, like something like that if you can sort of tailor it that way that would make everybody fans wide receivers catcher you know everybody happy right is, is that a good solution I just think there's too much areas of gray there. Because what if his knees, his knees touch, but as his knees are touching, he's still bobbling the ball. Yeah, this is so complicated. Ugh, it's such. A, is it a problem that's unfixable then? Because because now we've gotten to the point where we've, we've talked this through for ten minutes, and it's like. Well, uh, I think it's like it's kind of like in basketball in, with the block charge rule. Like you know, you you kind of have to have that rule in place, and there's no way to clear it up. So you just have to live with it. Otherwise, you're going to have people just barreling into each other on a basketball court. In this case, you'll just, we'll just never know. We'll never have like a standard. We need a standard. And I think the NFL at least tried to to write out a rule that put standards on these different situ- situations. Yes, that I agree with. Um, it still needs work, and I hope the competition committee deals with it in the offseason because I think if this comes up every single time, and it, hey, it could come up again in, in the postseason, and that would be... Oh, just can you imagine like in the Super Bowl if like I'm trying to think of a good example, but like if it was the Julian Edelman catch that was that was bobbled, that was like a huge part of that Super Bowl. If that was the play that was taken away because it was an unsure, we were unsure of what was going on with the, the catch. Like, well, that can't happen. As a Panthers fan, I must point out that it did happen in the Super Bowl two years ago. It was at the beginning of the game. Jericho Cotri caught a ball. It looked like he caught it and went to the ground. They ruled it incomplete. The next play, Von Miller strip sacks Cam Newton. The Broncos score a touchdown on the play, and that basically, that was basically the difference in the game. So it did, already did decide a Super Bowl, in my opinion. But I'm a Panthers fan, so that opinion might be a little biased. <laughs> well, you, wait, but, but what about the other like ten thousand points scored against the, uh, the Panthers? Did that decide that Super Bowl? <laughs> they lost by eleven, <laughs> and had to go right. for it in, on a fourth. They were in field goal range at one point in the fourth quarter. They could have tied it. 
That was such a, I, I, you, of course, if, as a Panthers you wouldn't forget that. Uh, let's go on. Um, and w- I don't want to say do agree to disagree because I always hate that, but like, I think we have to at this point. Otherwise, we'll be talking about this for an hour. Oh, yeah. um, is this the end of the Seahawks, what we saw after the, they got completely torched and blown out by the Rams? And I picked them in our, our weekly against the spread. I picked the Seahawks, uh, figuring that. Maybe an MVP performance from Russell Wilson would do it, but man, the Seahawks have so many other problems that uh, I think they're 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 pretty close to done. What do you think? Yeah, their defense. I don't think we're ever going to see that this defense play again. Whenever I think they're going to cut a couple guys. I think Richard Sherman might be gone. They they talked about trading him last year. Now he's suffered another major injury, and he's only gotten a year older, and it's. His salary jumps up to $13.2 million, I think, next year. And then you have guys like Michael Bennett who are getting older and maybe have become a, more of a problem with you know him starting fights on the field. So And his, his contract is also going to get big. And Earl Thomas is getting older. Cam Chancellor, might, his career might be over. He suffered a neck injury. It's pretty serious. And he's getting, uh, again, he's getting older and he's expensive. So I don't think we're ever going to see this defense this legion, the Legion of Boom defense play together again. And that's kind of sad because it's one of the greatest defense in league history, and they probably should have won more than one title. So I think it just shifts over. The burden shifts completely over to Russell Wilson. We've kind of already seen it this season happen in the second half. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a different Seahawks team from here on out. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Richard Sherman is set to make $13.2 million next year. It's not happening. Uh, it's not a good idea, uh, especially for a guy, like you said, getting older. He's a, uh, an unrestricted free agent in 2019, so he's done. Um, I'm with you about Cam Chancellor. That makes me nervous. Uh, they have Shaq Griffin. That's nice. Uh, that, that's helpful. But, uh, yeah, I think you cut some guys. I think, you know, also, you know, the rest of the team is due for an upgrade. And this is what happens inevitably, right, with, with teams that, that – Contend for so long. Eventually, the cap catches up to them. And and they got to start all over again. And they have to sign uh, the quarterback. That's what's that when they had to sign the quarterback. Like they had Russell Wilson on a cheap, the cheapest deal in the league. Uh, eventually, right. they have to give him a twenty million dollar raise, and that makes it hard to build up other places. Exactly. So now they've got a twenty three point seven million dollar quarterback next year instead of a fourteen point six million one, and that's going to be trouble. Also. For like the wide receiver court, because Paul Richardson is a, a, a free agent, I think he deserves an upgrade. Um, their run game, God, I mean, what the offensive line is really the, the biggest problem to me. And Russell Wilson, give him some credit. The guy has done it all this year without a lot of help. Um, we've written, you've written a ton about that on the site. Um, but I don't know what to do. Like with, I guess you draft a running back next year, uh, or you, you hope that Chris Carson comes back and. Um, does what he was doing, but you still have to fix the line. And Jimmy Graham's a, an unrestricted yeah. free agent too. He's gone. So he's definitely gone. And he's definitely going to get another big contract uh, or uh, an even bigger one than he had. So yeah, I think they're done. And this is sad because we've seen it for so long that they've they've done some amazing things and uh, they they did win a Super Bowl. So you know, I think that counts. That's it. We can say you know, uh, long live the, the Seahawks and and watch as they they crumble apart in the offseason. But. We'll- was it a letdown? Was it a disappointment? Because they won that, that Super Bowl so early, and they still had Wilson on a deal for, I think, two more years after that? Maybe. Well, so yeah. So you kind of expected it. They were, like, anointed as, like, the next dynasty. Cause they were so young on defense. The defense was going to be good for the next couple of years. Russell Wilson was – he still wasn't Russell Wilson when they won that Super Bowl. He was, still, he was still, you know, a young quarterback. He wasn't as good as he is now, obviously. 
and they just I mean, never yeah. they never got back after that the Patriots loss. Then the answer is right there, right? If they it, and again we can play the what if game. Maybe Marshawn Lynch doesn't get in the end zone, but let's say they do run the ball with Marshawn Lynch. They do score there. They win that Super Bowl. Suddenly, we're talking about an entirely different thing here because two Super Bowls is a, is a dynasty for sure in, in mm-hmm. today's NFL. Uh, so blame it on Pete Carroll. I don't know. You know, uh, <laughs> blame it on that that run that didn't happen, uh, and and some of that. I don't know. You can't contri- attribute much of that to their lack of success in recent years. But uh, you know, if they won two Super Bowls, uh, we'd be talking about this differently and saying, hey. Kudos. So it is a little bit of a letdown. I, I think that's a good good point. Mm-hmm. I think, and I'm I'm kind of worried about their future just because Russell Wilson. You know, there's so much on his on his plate, and he's not he's not the most consistent player. Like he's his highs are really high, but his lows are are pretty low. Like he'll have these games where he throws for like 120 yards and a couple of picks, and the Seahawks score like three points. In the past, they kind of could get over those kind of games just because their defense was so good. And if you kept giving Russell Wilson chances, eventually he was going to he was going to make a play and win them games. So they won a lot of games like that were fifteen to twelve. But I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I think you're going to have to Russell Wilson is going to have to be Tom Brady from here on out for the the Seahawks to be playoff contenders every year. And I just don't know if that's fair to ask of him just because Tom, you know. If you if the requirement is Tom Brady, then you're in trouble. Yeah, seriously. And I, from a fantasy perspective, I think Russell Wilson's not a guy I'm going to be looking for next year. Um, just a because quarterback is so deep, and b because yeah, everything's about to fall apart there. And frankly, what he did this year was miraculous, given the offensive line. I don't think 16 more games of that is going to produce a, a, that amazing season. Can we just point out that Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate ahead of Russell Wilson? For most of the year, and did we see what Nick Foles did? I know it was the Giants, but Nick no, Foles right. just stepped right in. Like, imagine dropping Nick Foles into the Seahawks offense. That's yeah. a disaster. I've been I've been on the Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, I've been on the Antonio Brown MVP bandwagon for about a week or two. But but the Russell Wilson bandwagon, I was kind of shocked that that it was so not full of people. Like. Look at what the guy did. I, there, there's that clip or two of him like scrambling to make a throw behind line. There was like three of those plays that I think we highlighted on for the win. And I was like, where are the votes? Like this but, guy should be number two right now behind Brady probably. I think I was – yeah, I, I do agree that he should be number two behind Brady. But I think the gap between one and two was so big that it wasn't even worth the discussion. Like Brady was the guy. And we only brought up the other guys just for some intrigue. Because it's boring to be like, oh, it's October and Brady's already the MVP. Let's never discuss it again. <laughs> but I do think the gap between Brady and Wilson was big. But I, yeah. but I don't think Wentz should have ever been ahead of Russell Wilson. No, definitely not. And and I'm I'm glad to, to confirm that we were that we were all on the like, hey, the, the Eagles will be fine because their system is good and their offensive line is good and they can run the ball and, and you know Nick Foles can step in. He's mm-hmm. a Peterson guy. So all right. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, is Blake Bortles? Really trash, as uh, as as a, a Texans player said on Sunday. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to agree with J- Jadavion Clowney and say he's trash, but I will agree with Earl Thomas, who last week after they lost to the Jaguars said they lost to a subpar quarterback because I think Blake Bortles is still not a good quarterback. I know he's had a hot three weeks, but look who he's played. He's played the the Colts, who whose season is over and their defense is terrible. The Texans, who gave up on their season once Watson got hurt. And their defense was just decimated with injuries. And then the Seahawks, who we just covered, are a mess right now, especially on the 
defensive side of the ball. Yeah, so he's had, and he, I reviewed the game, his last three games last night, and I wrote about Blake Bortles this morning, and I'm still seeing Blake Bortles' problems. I'm still seeing that terrible delivery that results in a lot of ducks. Like, people just assume he's big, so he has a big arm, but his mechanics just ruin that arm. He throws so many ducks. He throws like he like Peyton Manning in his final years. Uh, and he's still making bad decisions. He's gotten away with them because these defenses haven't been able to take advantage. He's still throwing off his back foot a lot, floating balls up into coverage. And a lot of a lot of his production have has come on like the same three plays, play designs. Like there's window different window dressing. But I think what happened was Doug Marone went to him and said, What plays do you like best? And they kind of built their game plans around that. And the problem, I think it, that's a smart thing to do. That's good coaching. You build the offense around your quarterback. The problem is when you get into the playoffs and they have film on these plays and there's not many that they have to prepare for, then defenses are better prepared to stop them. So I think this is going to be a short-lived hot streak he's on. And I think we're going to see a return to the Blake Bortles we know and love. <laughs> and love to, to, to hate on. Um, I, I was coming at it from the perspective of like, Blake Bortles is proof why Eli Manning won some Super Bowls. And here I go. I'm, I'm probably hypocritical on, on, on my boy, uh, <laughs> Eli. But my point is this. If you have a, an offense that has a superior running game, a good, uh, solid um, uh, uh, offensive line, you can do some things back there in, 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 in the pocket, right? You don't have to be... Um, Tom Brady in his prime, you can be Blake Bortles, who is you know has faced uh, some some uh, not so tough defenses here and there. Um, and when when everybody's sort of like worried about the run um, and the offense for him, I think right you would agree is like simple. At least the, the you know sort of uh, passing plays are, are relatively simple. Then you know you can succeed. And what's crazy to me, by the way, is that you could have won a few uh, fantasy playoff games with Blake Bortles a quarterback. Like, that's absurd. That's just like, that's where we're at with Blake Bortles. Like, occasionally he can have a good explosive game. I don't think this is overall a reason to think that he's the quarterback of the future in Jacksonville. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think he's trash. I don't think he's anywhere close to being an elite quarterback, and he never will be. And uh, I, I think Jacksonville this year is okay with that. But the problem is, how do you pay him? Because you've seen there's no, so you just move on from him. Yeah, think, absolutely. The I, problem is, I think it. fan the narrative has turned, and I think fans would. I don't think they'd be happy about that move. And we've seen this front office stick with him through worse. They kind of doubled down on him this last off season. So I think they they have a lot invested in him, especially the GM who drafted him. So I think they might have. They might you know, be drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, right now. <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know. Do, do people, I would love to know from Jacksonville fans. Reach out to us on Twitter. I'm curious. My, if my brother like... is a Jacksonville fan. Oh, really? Okay. What He's is not a Bortles fan. He doesn't like Bortles. He wants to move on. He's, he was on the Kaepernick, the Kaepernick bus uh, after preseason. That's not going to happen, though, because Tom Coughlin is not going to sign Colin Kaepernick. No. Definitely not. That's uh, I, I just can't see it. Um, it. This is one of those moves that we, you and I have, have debated about, like a good football move versus like a good move that makes the fans happy. Mm-hmm. And this is one if they resign him, like it'll make the fans happy if indeed they are really on the, the Blake Bortles bandwagon. Um, especially if they don't say draft a quarterback uh, in, anywhere in the draft. 
Yeah, which, I I I've, I spend a lot of time on on Reddit on the Jaguars page, and they are I think they're they're all in on portals right now. Like that's the okay. consensus. Yeah, they're back. In, they're back. All they needed were those three games. Ignore the first eleven games where he completed fifty eight percent of his passes, had a seventy nine quarterback rating. He was the worst statistic quarterback, non Deshaun Kaiser division. Oh my god! And Just, three yeah, games is, against you can't bad see defenses. Me because it's a podcast, but I'm waving my hands in front of you guys. Like, stop drinking the Kool Aid. Like, get off the Blake Bortles bandwagon. Um, let's go to our final question here of our five that we're doing today. Who is winning the final spot in the NFC now that we've seen basically all but one of the spots uh, locked up? So I think the big question here is, what do the Packers do with Aaron Rodgers now that their season is basically over? They could still get in, but it's going to take a lot to happen. Like it's unrealistic. And I don't know if you should risk the best quarterback in the NFL on the off chance that you sneak into the playoffs. Absolutely not. Yeah. So from there you go to the week 17 game because you need the lions. I think the lions, well, you have to wonder what the Falcons are going to do these after I'm assuming they're going to win tonight and then they play the saints and then they play the Panthers. Those are two losable games. Absolutely, and they're next in line for that last spot. So if they if they drop those two games, Lions. it comes down to the Lions. I think it's the Lions. I I, 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 I agree. Schedules, yeah, I agree. And if the Lions slip up against the Packers, then and the Falcons slip up against the uh, Panthers and Saints, then the Cowboys are next in line. I would I would like to see the Cowboys in the playoffs just because I think that's the most interesting storyline, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. It's tough because they have Seattle on the road coming to them, and we have an and probably a, a, you know angry Ezekiel Elliott coming back. I think it's a winnable game, but Philadelphia is not a winnable game on the road. Like that's a really tough game for the Cowboys who have struggled. Um, you know, barely beat the Oakland Raiders on the road last night. So I'm with you. I was looking at the schedules and I was like, the Lions kind of have it easy. They've got. Um, Cincinnati on the road, and we know that the, the, the Bengals are future this year, and, and Detroit's been playing really good football lately. And then they get Green Bay. And I didn't even think of the Aaron Rodgers factor. I was more thinking about the fact that, A, the Packers would go on the road to face the Lions, and that it, it, it wouldn't necessarily matter to me that Rodgers is three weeks out of, out of coming, or two weeks out of coming back. I was thinking more in terms of, like, that Green Bay defense is just is, isn't playing that well. So I was thinking, like, actually, that's a winnable game at home for Detroit, too. So I think it's the Lions ahead of everybody else. Yeah, so they just need the Saints to, to beat the Falcons next week and then and then their Panthers fans in Week 17. Yeah. It's not that crazy. I think they might slip in. It all that's comes so down crazy. to Atlanta. It's so crazy that the, that the Lions would be the team that, that sneaks in. Uh, but they've played, you know, you got to give them credit. They, they you know, they've played really, really well uh, when they've needed to. They've taken is, care of business against bad teams, and, you know, that's all you can ask. Yeah, well, look at their, their points for points against. They have 19 more points than they've allowed. That tells you they're pretty mediocre. Um, and, yes, they have beat bad teams. They beat Chicago last week. Uh, they squeaked by the Bucks. They, uh, I'm looking at their schedule now, they have, they beaten. lost to the Vikings on Thanksgiving. Right. They beat the, the, the Bears early in the season. They beat up on the, the Cleveland Browns. They beat up on the Packers without uh, Rodgers. They barely lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that was, you know, Steelers on the road. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty impressive. And, yeah, th- that win against Minnesota was kind of huge. Yeah, and they I think they get the Bengals next week. So 
it's all it's all coming down to the Packers game, and it could be Brett Hundley they're playing against. So, yeah, I think I think they should be the favorites to get in. Just just because I don't believe in Atlanta beating the Panthers and the Saints. Definitely not. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to our, our Falcons <laughs> fans on the site, Andrew and and, uh, and Luke. Another another heartbreaking uh, uh, year in a row. So you can you can make fun of them uh, for that, Stephen. Oh, oh, I will. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and thanks for checking in with us. And we'll uh, we'll podcast again next week uh, after week sixteen. Looking forward to it. Bye.